I'm always amazed by the handbells. I don't know how you do that. I don't know how you count, look at the music, and ring the bells. And some of you are playing multiple bells, so I got a feeling Ben Gay will be at your house this afternoon. <laughs> but, but we appreciate you guys so much. I want to pray. I want to encourage you to turn in your Bibles to Revelation chapter 20, verses 11 through 15. Please, I hope you've got your Bible. I'm going to tell you in just a minute while we're not using the overhead, okay? But, but let's pray together. Heavenly Father, God, help us to, to take your word serious. Help us, Father, that we would take the death of your Son on the cross serious, too, knowing that he died, that all of us might live not only in this life, but we would live eternally with the God who created us and with his Son who saved us and with his Spirit that drew us unto himself. God, please speak to every heart. I pray that if there are those that have not yet trusted Christ, Father, that, that this moment of, of the Word of God would be a revelation to them of their need of Christ. And I pray for us as Christians, Father. Lord, help our burden for those that do not yet know your, your Son as their Savior to be greater. God, whether it would be an adult or a child God, may we want others to be in heaven because you have prepared a place for us all if we would simply say, say yes to Jesus. Father, thank you for this passage of Scripture. As, as difficult as it is to, to read and to, to hear and even to accept that one day those that are lost will stand before the Savior and because of their decision to reject his death on the cross and his blood that cleanses us and redeems us, that they would have sealed their destiny to be away from God eternally. Father, please, please take control of this service. Please speak through your word. Please speak through me. Please speak to all of our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We're not having the overhead today. Uh, yesterday, Roy and Casey Carver got married here at the church. And the cross, and I don't know how you would describe the, the white linen. It, it, it's symbolic of the, of the wedding gown, isn't it? But as I came into the church early yesterday morning and saw that cross, or early Friday morning, it reminded me of what we've already found out in Revelations chapter 19, that in heaven there's going to be the marriage supper of the Lamb. You remember in the New Testament, especially in the writings of Paul, and even in the words of Jesus himself, the church is compared to the bride of Christ. And as I look at the cross and that linen apparel, I thought about, you know, we would not be at that marriage supper of the Lamb if it weren't for the cross. We could not claim a place in heaven if it were not for the cross. We could not claim salvation if it were not for the cross. And so, along with others that were all struck by this scene of the cross and the, and the wedding apparel, we decided to leave this up for this service today. 
Because, folks, I want to tell you, the Lord wants us in heaven with him. And if we're not in heaven, it is because we have deliberately made the decision to reject the Lord Jesus Christ. And in Revelations chapter 20, verses 11 through 15, John is given a vision of that day when the lost will stand before God, before his son. Let me read these verses again. I hope you've got your Bible open. Revelations 20, beginning with verse 11. Then I saw a great white throne, and him who sat upon it, from his presence earth and sky fled away, and no place was found for them. And I saw the dead. Now, folks, we're going to get into this deeper this week and probably next week. But these are those that have died without Christ. These are those that have died rejecting the gospel of Jesus Christ, not believing in the cross where Jesus died so that our sins could be forgiven. John says, I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne, and books were opened. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. Now, now let me, and again, we're going to get into this. There are books that are open that we're going to find out in the following verses that have what people have done that have not been believers. But there's another book that is present there that is called the book of life in both verse 12 and verse 15. But it says, And the dead were judged by what was written in the books by what they had done. And the sea gave up the dead in it. Death and Hades gave up the dead in them, and all were judged by what they had done. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. And the lake of fire, of course, represents hell. And if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. Folks, last Sunday... And I hope, again, I'm briefly going to mention this. I hope you remember that I shared with you that it is God's desire that no one stand before this great white throne mentioned here in Revelations 20, beginning with verse 11. And we know that because God is love. He, His Son, and His Holy Spirit do not want anyone to face this event described in these verses. God the Father loved the world so much that He sent His Son. God the Son said, I have come to seek and to save the lost. The Holy Spirit has been sent out to guide us into truth and glorify Christ and draw us to the Lord. And God is not willing that any should perish, but all should reach repentance. But why will there be lost people standing before this great white throne? And we mentioned these reasons last week. Because they love sin and won't give it up. Because they're in love with the world and won't turn to God. Because in their arrogance they think they can save themselves by being religious or self-righteous. And they will not confess sin and repent and turn to the cross of Jesus Christ. And I reminded you again last week that the wages of sin is, is death. The Amplified Bible expresses it this way, for the wages which sin pays is death. So having said all that, let's get now to these 
verses. And these final five verses in chapter 20 introduce the judgment at the end of human history and the beginning of eternity. Because, folks, do you and I realize, and, and I've never seen this until beginning this study, that beginning in verse 21, John sees the new heaven and the new earth. Folks, eternity begins, not only for the lost, but also eternity has already begun for those that have been, been raised from the dead and, and taken in the rapture to Christ. But folks, in, in chapter 20, verse 11, we see human history ending and eternity beginning. And at this judgment, there will only be unbelievers. Now again, please understand this. There will only be people who have refused the mercy and grace of God. And this will include people from the Old Testament days. It will include people from the coming of Christ until Christ comes again until this very moment. It will be unbelievers that have refused even during the tribulation judgments in Revelation 6 through 18. And even people during the thousand year reign of Christ that have rejected the gospel. Richard Dehan says no unbeliever will escape. For the sea, death, Hades will give up their inhabitants. And those who have rejected God's offer of salvation in Christ will have sealed their faith. Their, their names will not be found written in the book of life that is mentioned in chapter, in, in verse 12 and 15. And in other places it's called the Lamb's book of life. And folks, again, I'm just going to tell you what the word of God says they will be cast into the lake of fire which already has Satan and the Antichrist and the false prophet. And if you have been here, you remember in the latter part of verse 19, the Antichrist and the false prophet are cast into hell first. And then in chapter 20, in verse 10, the devil who had deceived them was thrown into the lake of fire. And folks, this is the second death. This is eternal death. It is separation from God throughout all eternity. And Richard DeHaan also writes, and I'm quoting this because I, I, they put it so much better than I can. God is not vengeful and he's not capricious. Well, I had to look up the word capricious. It means God does not act without adequate reason or act upon a whim. He does not cause suffering for the sport of it. His judgment stems from his holiness and he is absolutely righteous and holy and no one will receive one bit more or less than he deserves because God can only judge rightly. And folks, I know that you and I get disturbed when we think about somebody spending eternity in hell. But folks, I want to remind you of something. Back all the way back in the book of Genesis, when, when God is getting ready to judge Sodom and Gomorrah, you remember that story? And God visits Abraham, and, and, God, and Abraham inquires about where he's going, and he's going down to Sodom and Gomorrah, where, where Abraham's nephew Lot is. And he begins to plead with God, God, if you find X amount of people that are, are righteous there, will you still send judgment? And he goes on down to finally, he, he says this about God, shall not the judge of all the earth do right? And folks, that is Genesis chapter 18, verse 25. Shall not the judge of all the earth do right? God is incapable of doing the wrong thing because he is God and he is holy. 
And folks, this judgment that we're reading about, I hope last Sunday you gathered the information that God does not want anyone standing before this judgment. But if we reject God, we reject his love, we reject his salvation, the only thing left for us is to face our sins. And that means being cast into the lake of fire. And before you and I look at these verses, let me once again remind us that Christ is reigning. He is all-powerful in heaven and on earth. Everything that happens at this great white throne will be under his supervision and under his power. So look at the verses, beginning with verse 11. Then I saw a great white throne. And folks, this throne differs from the other thrones previously mentioned in the book of Revelation. And folks, please, now I want you to see the difference. You remember when we were talking about uh, after the, the child of God, those that are dead in Christ are raised, the living are raptured out of the world, that Christians stand before the, uh, the, the judgment seat of Christ. Do you remember that in 2 Corinthians chapter 5? We must all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. And we do that not to be condemned, but to get all of the mess in our life cleared up because no sin is going to enter into heaven. And no difference that we have between us and other Christians. All of that is forgiven and cleared up. And and when we go into heaven, we're like the Lord Jesus Christ. Our works will be judged as Christians at the, the judgment seat of Christ and we'll be rewarded. But folks, the scene is different here in Revelations 20 because the ones standing before Christ here are unbelievers and there will be no rewards. And folks, Christ will be seated on the throne. Who is he that sits upon the throne? Who is he that sits upon judgment of the lost? Well, let me read again, because I want you to understand that God does not want anybody facing this moment. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, should not go to the lake of fire, but have eternal life. For God sent the son into the world not to condemn the world, but that the world might be saved through him. He who believes, now listen to this, and here's the contrast between being a believer and being a non-believer. He who believes in him is not condemned. He who does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. And this is the judgment. This is, this is John 3.19. This is the judgment. That the light has come into the world and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. Listen, mankind has a choice. You either go to the light or you go deeper in the darkness. The light, who is the light? Jesus said, I am the light of the world. If anyone follows me, he'll not walk in darkness. But darkness represents sin. What do men choose? Men refuse to come to the light. Why? Because their deeds were evil. For everyone who does evil hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his deeds should be exposed. And our own sinfulness causes us to hate the light that is Jesus because we don't want to have our sins exposed. And you see, one of the biggest hurdles to overcome in coming to faith in Christ is acknowledging that we are a sinner. That's hard to do, isn't it? We think so highly of ourselves. But folks, 
who is this that sits there on the throne here in Revelation 20? Well, let me read to you from John 5, 22 to 29. And I'll gladly give you these scriptures. Our friend will pass them on to you because we don't have the overhead on. But listen to this. This is John 5, 22 to 29. And these are the words of Jesus himself. Listen to this. The Father judges no one but has given all judgment to the Son. So who is sitting on this throne in Revelation 20? It is none other than Jesus Christ himself. That all may honor the Son even as they honor the Father. He who does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. And Jesus uses the words truly, truly. If you have a King James, it's verily, verily. And that expression means this word comes straight from God. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life, and he does not come into judgment, but is passed from death to life. You see, when we trust Christ as our Savior, we're not going to stand at this white judgment throne because we have passed from death, spiritual death, to spiritual life, eternal life. Jesus says, truly, truly, I say to you, the hour is coming and now is when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. And we're going to get into this a little bit later. But you, let's go all the way back to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. You remember that about the rapture of the church? But who rises, from the, who rises first? The dead in Christ. Folks, listen, every single one of us are going to die. But there's a difference between dying in Christ and dying outside of Christ. Because when we die in Christ, it means we will be raised to eternal life. When we die outside of Christ, it means we will be raised to face Christ at the judgment throne in Revelation 20. And we will be eternally separated from God because we are spiritually dead. Folks, these are hard things to accept, and I know that. But listen to this. Again, this is out of, out of John 5. For as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son also to have life in himself and has given him authority to execute judgment. And again, all this is pointing, in my opinion, to Revelations chapter 20, beginning with verse 11. Has given him authority to execute judgment because he is the son of man. Do not marvel at this, for the hour is coming when all who are in the tombs will hear his voice. Now again, everyone that has died is going to hear the voice of Jesus Christ. 1 Thessalonians 4, the dead in Christ will hear his voice. They'll be raised to eternal life. John 10, 27 and 28, my sheep hear my voice. I know them. They follow me. I give them eternal life and they shall never perish and no one shall snatch them out of my hand. But in Revelations 20, verse 11, these that have come forth from the dead are those who have done evil to the resurrection of judgment. And folks, my whole point in saying all of this is that Jesus will be the judge here in Revelations 20. And the ones that will stand before him will be the ones that have died outside of Christ. And that's a terrible thought, isn't it? Listen to what else John says in verse 11. From his presence, earth and sky fled away. 
You know, I've always had a hard time understanding that until I think now. What does it mean from his presence, earth and sky fled away? Many Bible scholars believe that at this moment, as the dead go to stand before Christ, that's when the earth will be destroyed by fire. Because you see, beginning in Revelations 21, there's a new heaven and a new earth. And, and listen to this passage from, from 2 Peter chapter 3. 2 Peter. And, and folks, look, I know I'm reading a lot of scripture, but we're putting this puzzle together. And I think in the word of God, God fits it together so that we can understand it. Not completely and totally, but so that we can understand it. And listen to what Peter says. This is first, uh, 2 Peter chapter 3. And I'm going to begin reading with verse 1 out of the Living Bible. Listen to this. 2 Peter 3, beginning with verse 1. This is my second letter, you dear brothers. Br- brothers and in both of them, I've tried to remind you, if you will let me, about facts you already know, facts you learned from the holy prophets and from our apostles who brought you the words of our Lord and Savior. First, I want to remind you that in the last days, there will be scoffers who will do every wrong they can think of and laugh at the truth. This will be their line of argument. So Jesus promised to come back, did he? Then where is he? He'll never come. Why, as far back as anyone can remember, everything has remained exactly as it was since the first day of creation. They deliberately forget this fact, that God did destroy the world with a mighty flood. You understand why people don't want you believing in the flood? Because if you believe in the flood, that means you believe in the judgment of God upon sin. Because that's why that flood came. And so Peter's using this reasoning. You don't think Jesus is coming back and judge the earth? Well, listen, what about the flood back years ago? It says, long after he has made the heavens by the word of his command and used the waters to form the earth and surround it, God commanded that the earth and the heavens be stored away for a great bonfire on the judgment day when all ungodly men will perish. I think Peter is speaking of this day here in Revelations 20, verse 11. But don't forget this, dear friends, that a day or a thousand years from now is like tomorrow to the Lord. He isn't really slow about his promised return, even though it sometimes seems that way. But he is waiting for the good reason that he is not willing that any should perish. And he is giving more time for sinners to repent. The day of the Lord is surely coming as unexpected as a thief. And then the heavens, listen to this, this is verse 10, then the heavens will pass away with a terrible noise and the heavenly bodies will disappear in fire and the earth and everything on it will be burned up. Folks, I can't help but believe what Peter is telling about is this event here in Revelations chapter 20. So from the Lord's presence, the earth and heaven, the earth and sky fled away. And he says, no place was found for them. Who is he talking about for them? I believe he's talking about unbelievers. And if you remember back when we were studying some of the tribulation period in Revelation 6, verse 15 and following, you remember as these judgments began to fall upon the earth, the kings and the mighty men and all others go and try and hide themselves in caves and and ask the rocks of the mountains to fall upon them. You remember that? They would not repent and turn to God. 
They tried to hide from God. But folks, this scene in Revelation chapter 20 is an awesome scene. Heaven and earth will flee away and no place will be left for sinners to hide. And all unbelievers must face the judge. And these are those who have rejected Christ, who have rejected God's mercy and grace, have rejected the wooing of the Holy Spirit in life, and now they must be judged by him and face eternal death. And John says in verse 12, I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne. And folks, again, no. Listen, the only way I know how to put this, the purpose of the cross was that Jesus would die, that all men could be saved. But men reject him, and now the purpose of this great white throne is to judge the dead who died rebelling and rejecting Christ. And folks, if there's going to be a time of judgment, we must bring before the judge those that are to be judged. And the ones that are being judged here, the wicked, unbelieving dead. And folks, I want to point out, as I've already tried to point out, and, and this, again, is hard to understand, okay? The dead in Christ that we've already mentioned in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, the dead in Christ will rise first. Do you remember that? And then the rapture will occur where all that are alive who are left shall be caught up together to be with the Lord. Folks, listen to this. There will be a resurrection of dead Christians, but they're taken into the presence of the Lord. There's going to be a resurrection of the dead unbelievers, but they will stand in the presence of the Lord at this great white throne of judgment. That sounds harsh, doesn't it? Folks, listen. What does Paul say? The end result, the wages of sin is what? It is death. And folks, so it is. My time is running out, and I'm going to honor the time today. I, but I want, to, I want to read something to you. And I'm not trying to treat you like, like children at school. I read this. Adrian Rogers is, was a preacher in Tennessee. Many of you have heard him. He's, he's still, they're still broadcasting his sermons. And, and the programs are entitled Love Worth Finding. You know... It's bad for a preacher to say, I wish I were like him, but I wish I were like Adrian Rogers. That man is preaching better dead than I'm preaching alive. I can tell you, he is tremendous. But he wrote a Bible study on the book of Revelation, and I was reading some of his notes. And so this comes from Adrian Rogers. But please listen carefully. This is going to be a page and a half I'm going to read to you. But just listen to this what he is saying about Revelations 20, verse 11 and following. At this point, and this is in your face, okay, so get ready, all right? At this point in future history, Jesus will summon all the dead for judgment. Both the big shots and the nobodies are called to court. It doesn't matter how much education or culture they possess or how much money they made on earth. The dead, both small and great, stand before the Lord Jesus and face judgment. All the sinners are going to be there. Those people who hate God, hate Christ, or hate the Bible will be called to account. The man who lived for sin, lived for self, and lived for Satan will be there. The evil men of history, the Hitlers and the Stalins, will be there. 
and the out-and-out sinners, the drug pushers, the pornographers, the rapists, the murderers will all be in attendance. All the self-righteous will be there. These are the people who think the gospel is just for the thief and the murderer, those who think they don't need to be saved. Jesus once said to the Pharisees that the harlots and tax collectors would get to heaven ahead of them because they were self-righteous. So the Pharisees will be there. All the self-satisfied will be there. Those people who thought they were too good to be condemned will strut right into the gates of hell. You know, the worst form of badness is human goodness that becomes a substitute for salvation. I want to read that sentence again. The worst form of badness is human goodness that becomes a substitute for salvation. Paul tells us that if righteousness could come by law, Jesus died in vain. If you could be saved by your good life, then Calvary was a blunder. If going to church, tithing, doing good deeds, and keeping away from alcohol could save you, God would never have had to send his son to die. But Jesus died upon the cross to do for you what you could never do for yourself, make you righteous. So so those who are satisfied with their own self-righteousness rather than God's holiness are going to be called to give an account. Isaiah warned, there's none righteous, no, not one. Paul said, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All the slow deciders will be there. That is, those who procrastinated over their decision about Christ. These people intended to get saved, but they kept putting their decision off. That's why the Bible says, now is the day of salvation. And today, if you hear God's voice, harden not your heart. Remember the saying about the road to hell being paid with good intentions. These people intended to get saved, but they didn't want to rush it. They had their entire lives ahead of them. But our lives are like a vapor that appears for a little while and then vanishes. All the Sunday Christians will be there. The people who put their names on the church roll, but never in the Lamb's book of life will be summonsed. This is sad because these folks heard the gospel again and again, but never took hold of Jesus Christ. They go through the motions, sit on church boards, teach a Sunday school class, but they will go to hell surrounded by baptismal certificates and attendance rewards. They have what the scriptures call a form of godliness, but they deny the power of God. Judas was a charter member of the church holding the position of treasurer. But Judas went to hell for failing to give his life to Christ. Folks, I read those verses. And I thought, you know, one of the things that Satan is, is the great deceiver. And folks, I'm not doubting anyone's salvation here. That's not what I'm saying. But I want you to make sure that you have trusted Christ as your personal Savior. If I don't tell you the truth from the word of God, I have been false to my Savior, and I have been false to you. And I pray, and it doesn't have to be today that you do this. Don't put it off, though. When the Spirit of God is saying to you, now is the day I want you to come in faith to me and push all these things aside. There's nothing in this world that is going to save you except the blood of Jesus Christ. And would you come to him? Would you make sure that you know the Lord so that when you die, you'll be raised with the dead in Christ 
And there will be a place prepared for you in heaven because your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. And you won't have to stand before Jesus Christ as a judge, but you'll stand before him as your Savior. Let's pray. Father, thank you that your will is that none should perish, but that all should come to faith and salvation through your Son. And Lord Jesus, I just thank you that in the cross, Lord, we know that we're safe because you have shed your blood so that we could be born again into an eternal kingdom and that our sins could no longer condemn us because you took our sins upon yourself and died for us. Father, please help us that if we have not yet made this decision, that when your spirit calls out to us and says, you have sinned, but yet the Son of God has died to set you free from those sin. And pray, Father, that they'll believe and trust in Jesus as the Son of God and as the Savior of the world that their names will be written in the Lamb's book of life throughout eternity. And God, I pray for us as Christians. God, wake us up to a world around us that is literally perishing and headed toward hell. And the only thing that's going to stop them is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so help us, Father, daily to be your witnesses. Help this church to be found faithful and sharing the word of God from the pulpit, from the Sunday school classroom, and the children and youth ministries and the Bible studies, everything that we do, may we share the gospel and the power and the love of your Son. In these moments of invitation, Father, please speak. And I just pray, Father, that if there are those here that need to make a decision to trust Christ, that, Lord, your Spirit would lead them to do that. For we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, we've been talking about the ABCs of salvation. The A, acknowledge that you're a sinner. B, believe that Jesus is the Son of God and to save the world. And C, would you confess him as your Lord? Would you confess him by the life that you live and by the commitment that you make to him? If the Spirit of God is leading you, would you come? If not, please don't. But folks, please, please Please let Jesus be your Savior. Know him as your Savior and not your judge. Let us stand as we sing.